uh, specific series. Instead, we're going to be looking at Psalm 24, a very well-known psalm. Uh, perhaps you can uh, turn to it in your Bibles if you've got them, um, but it will be up on the screen as well. Psalm 24, starting to read at verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up you heads. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I thank you that you are the King of glory. Lord, I thank you that you are Lord Almighty over everything. And Father, we just pray now that you would speak to us. Just use uh, these few minutes that we have together to break through to show us uh, how we should live our lives, to show us what you want us to do. Speak now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, I think God has a bit of a sense of humor at times. And he likes to um, teach us lessons, and he likes to remind us uh, various things. Last Sunday evening, Arthur spoke um, beautifully at our evening uh, service, and Jonathan was really impressed with Arthur, A, with what he said, but B, with the fact that Arthur had his notes beautifully arranged in a plastic folder. Because he'd seen, Arthur had seen the way Jonathan organizes his notes and has it beautifully in a plastic folder all organized. And uh, Jonathan said, great that somebody's paying attention. (laughs) And Jonathan also said, you know what, I've learned over the years not only to be prepared for the service that I'm leading, but I also always keep tucked in that wallet an extra sermon just in case it's needed. Mental note to self there. (laughs) So as I said, this morning I got an email um, just as well I was up early, Claire, and looking at my emails. Claire said, please ring me urgently. Jonathan's not able to lead the service anymore. He'd like you to stand in and speak on Psalm 24, please. Wow. But you know, it's kind of interesting because for those of you that here a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, but I chose this psalm as the call to worship. Remember that? I had not got a clue what Jonathan was going to be speaking on this week, but I really felt as I was giving um, some feedback on the South Africa trip that this psalm was just so relevant for a number of reasons. 
first of all, it speaks of just how much God is in control of everything. Even though we might feel completely out of control, God is in control. And it also speaks an Old Testament version of salvation. I don't know if you noticed that, and we'll pick some of the things out, but embedded in here are all the key messages that we need to understand about what our relationship with God should be and what he wants of us. And we're going to split um, this psalm down into three sections to make it uh, easy uh, to consume. And the first section is the first two verses. The earth is the Lord's, And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. I don't know what you think about when you hear those words, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We like to have stuff, don't we? And I wonder, what is your most valued possession that you have? If your house was burning down and you had to grab something from that house and take it with you, what would it be? Your insurance policy, Simon, a wise man. Sorry? The children and pets. Oh, good, good priority. So Simon will get a bit of paper. (laughs) And Karen would take her children. Well, that's good. Anything else? Ah, the photos of the past, yes. Do you know, I wonder, looking around today, I think the priority for most people would be to grab their mobile phone. Yep. Would you agree? Because the way I see most people today, they are completely absorbed by what they see through a screen. And uh, there's some pretty cool technology out there now, isn't there? But I just wonder whether sometimes we get a bit too absorbed in it, you know? And actually what God says is, do you know what? All that stuff belongs to me anyway. Don't stress over it. It's all mine. You know, some people say, actually, it's not. You know, man has got pretty smart We've been able to make the most incredible things. And there's a story told of somebody who thought they were pretty smart, and they said, you know what? Um, I I don't believe there's a God. You know, anything that God says in his word, that's nothing compared to what we can do today. You just look around and, and you see the beautiful cars in the car park, how they're made. Do you know what? I can even... Uh, manipulate life now. I can even edit DNA and I can kind of change things and I can make plants grow grow stronger and better. And this scientist said to, to this uh, um, um, bloke, um, he said, you see, that proves that we're better than God because, you know, we can do all these things. We can make things better and, and stronger and faster. Do you know what the, uh, the answer that the, uh, the guy he was talking to said? He said, well, all that's fine, but try doing it with your own dirt. You see, God not only created human beings from dust, from dirt, he made the dirt itself to begin with. 
out of nothing, God created the incredible world. You see, we think we're kind of smart because we can create something out of something. But God created something out of nothing. And that's why the writer of the Psalms said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There's nothing in the world that does not belong to God because everything comes from what he put together in the first place. Isn't that an incredible thought? So all the things that we like to think are so smart, the the kind of mobile phones and the fast cars and everything, it's all God's. It's all made from what he has put there in the first place. It's all on loan to us. One day, God is going to call in that loan. And he's going to say, do you know what? It was all mine. What have you done with it? So I wonder, what is our response to the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? For me, if the house was burning down, I'd like to think I could hold on very lightly to the things in the house and not be too bothered about things that might get destroyed because actually it's all God's and he provides for us anyway. Let's not hang on too tightly to things that we have. But there's another aspect to the earth being the Lord's and that is um, not just about what things are, but I wonder when you look at the world around us, who do you think is in control? See, there's some pretty bad stuff going on at the moment, isn't there? You know, just the number of people that we have that are kind of struggling with ill health at the minute, stuff we hear on the news, politics seeming to be completely out of control at the moment, acts of terrorism, all kinds of things. When you hear those words, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, do you equate that to God being in control of everything? You see, what the real response to those verses is, do you know what, Lord, it's all yours and I trust you no matter what. No matter what happens, I trust you that you're in control. Jesus knew this, didn't he? You know, when he was in the boat and uh, um, absolutely exhausted, he was fast asleep and the disciples were, were there with him and this huge storm brew up, brewed up. And the disciples were in fear of their very lives because this storm was so great. And yet Jesus was asleep. <laughs> he knew that God was in control. He knew God's plan. He knew that harm would not come to them. So he he was probably a little bit annoyed when the disciples woke him up. (laughs) And uh, he said, what are you worried about? And what was his response? To say, be still. And he brought peace and order to a place where previously there was chaos. Jesus knew that God was in control. He knew the real meaning of the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We're going to look at the uh, second portion of this psalm now, um, verses 3 um, uh, through to uh, 6. 
Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Now, this psalm, it's thought, was written as a psalm specifically for when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant uh, up to Jerusalem and the temple. And uh, basically, he's saying as they go up that hill towards Jerusalem, who's worthy of bringing it up? Who's worthy of uh, um, approaching God's holy place? So if we think of this in the context of kind of an Old Testament narrative around salvation... We've done the first part, the acknowledgement that actually everything belongs to God. God is everything. We need to approach him, but we need to approach him in a certain way. And uh, David's saying here, and God's saying through David, in order to draw close to God, we have to have clean hands and a clean heart. What does that mean? What do you think when, uh, um, when you hear those words? If it had been last week, I most definitely would not have had clean hands because I spent Saturday under the car um, changing timing belts and oil and uh, all kinds of stuff, getting the car ready for its MOT, and my hands were filthy absolutely ingrained in oil and it took nearly a week to get it all out. Is that what this means? No. So what does it mean to have clean hands and a clean heart? When you come into church, how do you get yourself ready? Do you think you have to wear certain things? Sorry, I didn't get shaved. Are you supposed to have shaved before you come in? Are you supposed to look a certain way, act in a certain way? What the Bible says is that actually God looks not really at our physical hands, but he looks at inside, what's going on in our hearts. But he says actually it's not just good enough to have right thoughts and why God's saying you've got to have clean hands as well. You've got to be clean in what you do. You kind of get it? Not that you do kind of clean things, if you get what I mean, not changing the oil and, uh, uh, you know, muck around in the garden, but be honest and righteous in the things you do with your hands. Act in an appropriate and wholesome way. You know, sometimes it's hard to know what the right way to do things is. Do you get that in the world we're in today? How do you know what's right? I mean, sorry to bring up the subject, you should never really preach on politics, but, you know, when I was hearing all about the Brexit arguments, it was impossible to know who was telling the truth, wasn't it? 
you could see reasonable arguments on both sides. But actually, you know, everybody couldn't be right. People were, you know, telling half-truths and, and sometimes outright lies. In the world that we live in, it's really, really hard to know what the truth is. So how do you know what to believe in? What do you trust? As a family, we went out to, um, uh, to, to Nando's for an evening meal on Friday, really nice. But uh, um, Josh wanted to have some tomato ketchup. And he said, I've learned on the internet that if you stick a straw into a bottle of tomato ketchup, it comes out really quickly. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> I said, would you kind of like to, to, to test that? And he said, I, I know that it's right because it's, it was on the internet. I've seen a video of it. And I said, right, we'll test it, shall we? I knew fine well <laughs> that it was, uh, it was total rubbish. So when our meals came, we got the bottle of tomato ketchup and we stuck a straw in it, turned it upside down, and what happened? Nothing. Nothing, hardly anything came out. In fact, it was worse having the straw in because it was constricting the top of the bottle than uh, had we not had it in at all. And on one of the few occasions, Josh has said, okay, Dad, I was wrong. Not often that that happens. But you see, we're growing up in a society now where almost anything that you see online, people tend to believe, don't they? And there's so much rubbish out there. There's so much half-truths and things that are told that are just not right. God says... Come to me with a clean heart and clean hands, doing things that are built on truth and not untruth. And how do we know that? Well, by looking at God's word. Do you know, sometimes it might be hard because God's word says things that are so against what the world would believe. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus calls us to live counterculturally. He doesn't call us to just conform ourselves to what the world thinks is right. We as, uh, as believers need to have these clean hands, clean hearts that stand out, stand apart, be different. Don't get sucked into those things that the world would have us do. You know, the, world, the, the, the word goes, on to say he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false now my guess is that not many of us have physical idols set up in our houses I hope you don't anyway right so uh, you know we don't tend to bow down too many times to, uh, to idols I guess however going back to my earlier question about what would we take with us if our house was burning down. I wonder if sometimes we make idols for ourselves that takes the place of God. Because in many ways we are what we spend our time doing. We are what we prioritize. So if we want to approach the Holy of Holies, if we want to ascend the hill of the Lord, we need to um, set our um, eyes on what is pure, not bowing down to idols.
And we need our yes to be yes and our no to be no. Right? So where um, the, the, the verse here says, don't swear by what is false, that means don't tell lies. Right? Be true in what you say. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what happens if we do that? If we approach God with uh, clean hands and a pure heart and you know, we don't bow down to things that are false, what does it say? We'll receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, our Savior. In that little kind of story about what salvation is right, if we acknowledge who God is and we come before him seeking his righteousness and not anything of our own, then we will receive vindication. Then we will receive forgiveness for what we do. Third and and last portion of this psalm. It's as if uh, the Ark of the Covenant has been uh, brought up the hill by those that are worthy of carrying it and they've now approached the gates to uh, either the the city or the temple and uh, here David is saying, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. I don't know if you've ever seen any of these programs on TV about uh, uh, obsessive hoarders. Yeah, have seen any of these? Quite incredible. My, my, my wife calls me a hoarder, but, you know, nothing like this. I always save things because you never know when they're going to come in useful. You know? <laughs> I see a few nods there. Very good. But, you know, some of these people, their houses are so full, you can't even open the door. I saw one where the guy had to go in through a window because the door could not physically be opened up for all the piles of junk. It was just like piles of newspapers and stuff like that. Totally useless stuff. But stopping them get in. Why is David saying here, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. You see, I think there's so much more to this psalm than just the approach of the Ark of the Covenant into the city and the temple. And I think that because in the New Testament, what is described as the temple? Us, our bodies. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? It does not belong to you. And I think the psalmist is saying here, are you opening up the door to your heart that the king of glory may come in? And you need to think, is there too much junk and stuff in your life that actually the door can't be opened? Because it is possible to get consumed with so much other stuff that actually you don't leave any room for the king of glory to come in. God's calling us here to be receptive to that call. What does Jesus say in Revelation? Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him. So in this whole story about kind of salvation in Old Testament language, it's about recognizing who God is, 
It's about recognizing that we need forgiveness. We need to have that clean hands, those clean hands and that pure heart. And we need to open up that door of our lives to let the King of glory come in. That's what this psalm is saying. Yes, it's a psalm about um, the Ark of the Covenant, but it's so much more. And who is that King of glory? The Lord Almighty. The one who is mighty to bring about his plan and his purpose. You know, with God in control of our lives, we don't need to worry about other stuff. We don't need to hang on to to things and the clutter because we know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, he's going to be in control and he's going to see his plans fulfilled. 